Keep your Bible right there at John chapter 5, if you will, please. We're going to be there uh, this morning. You know, I want this to be just ingrained in your heart, in your mind. I'd like for it when you wake up in the morning, you'd see these three phrases, trot across the backside of your eyelids, love God, love people, serve both. I think this will be the foundation that is going to take us into the next era that God has for us. And God's got a great future for our church family. I'm just excited about where he's going to take us. You see, during this time when we're between pastors, and we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Search committee is going to be giving us a report again real soon. But we don't know exactly how long that's going to be in the transition. But during that period of time, it's essential for us to be about the Father's business. It's essential for us to be united, <clears throat> energized, focused on what God has called us to be about. And that is loving Him. And out of that love we have for Him, loving people. And out of that love for Him and people, being serving both God and Him together. Love people, and you're going to serve people. We're going to do that out of our love for God. So we've been looking at this, how it flows out of the, the great commandment in Matthew 25, and the great commission in Matthew 28. And we've been saying specifically, Lord, how do we do this? What does loving God really look like? How do I grow in my love relationship with God? I, I, I want to love God, but I want to grow in what that means and how to experience that. And so we ask the Lord, we ask Him through His Word. What does that look like? And we found Jesus responding to that in Luke 9, 23. He said, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And we dug in real deep to what that means. That, that's very practical. That's very, you know, uh, something we can grasp. And then we heard Jesus say again in, in John chapter 15 and verse 5 that the secret is abiding, that we're abiding in him and he's abiding in us. And we dug into what it means to abide. That means more than just to have a place to live or to uh, what we, we, we uh, accept or tolerate is true. It, it means to draw our life's essence, to draw our, our purpose, to draw uh, our, our meaning and reason for existence, our reason to get up in the morning, drawing that out of that relationship with him. But how does that grow? So last week, we, we, we heard Jesus say to some Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, then you're going to know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. And so we dug into what it means to live in the word, to dive into the word, to, that it's food for us, and that we, we eat of it, we, we, we chew on it as we're thinking about it and meditating on it and, and, and we're swallowing it as we're committing it to memory. And then as we apply it to our lives, that relationship with God is just growing. The love relationship deepens. So I want us to take the next step in this process. And there is a next step in this process. So not only do we, are we going to live in the Word and we're going to draw instruction and inspiration and correction when we've gone astray and, and, and our, our hopes and purposes for life out of that, not only is Jesus going to reveal himself, but there's another dimension. When we go to the Word, this is God speaking to us. 
His word, his purpose, his desire for our lives, he's speaking into us. But we get to speak back. What I want to talk about today is the fact that holy God, the creator and sustainer of this universe, the one who made you and loved you from before time began, he wants to have a moment with you every day and throughout the day to hear from you, to hear your voice. You, you, almighty God wants to hear from you, to hear your heart, to hear your heart cry, to hear your soul's deepest needs. Now, that comes also from John chapter 15. We read it a few minutes ago. And Jesus said this, if you abide in me, see where we started, and my words abide in you, where we went next, then you shall ask what you will, and it will be done for you. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, we see, we see what the Lord Jesus is doing. You're opening our eyes. You're illuminating us to what it is that we're to be about and how this growth with you is supposed to happen. Lord, now, will you open up this huge curtain that opens up this broad stage as wide as the universe that we, sinners saved by your grace, get to come into your presence and not only hear a word from you, but speak our heart to the throne. Lord, that ought to amaze us. That ought to just shock our socks off. <laughs> that not only is that possible, you long for us to do this, to enter into communication and love with you. Let it be so. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. So now, uh, before you, you go to the end of this verse, God's going to do whatever I ask him. Wait a minute. <laughs> let's, let's walk through the progression here. He says, first of all, if you're abiding in me, if you're living in vital relationship with me, if you're drawing your, your purpose and your meaning and identity from life out of me, if this is a, a growing love relationship to where it becomes not about you anymore, but it's all about me, if you're abiding in me, and if my word is abiding in you and, you, and there is this communication that you're hearing my heart, that you're hearing my purpose for you, that you're hearing my vision for you and for your church, then if you're in that kind of abiding relationship, then, then my will and your will are becoming so in sync with one another that then what you're asking is going to be what I, I want you to ask so I can answer you see the progression there? So don't just jump in there and say, okay, God's promised to give me anything I ask. That's not what it says. It says it's got to flow out of this growing, deepening love relationship that we have with him. That's the focus and the key. And you must see that progression to get to the heart of what God wants us to do. Here. Our first focus has got to be on loving him. 
Again, I told you this several times over. Let me reiterate it again. That's the motivation for following Christ. That, that's the only motivation that will stand up to all that, 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 that we've been through and that we're going to go through. That's the only thing that will keep us going when it seems like every time we try to do something right, it turns back around and it's all wrong. The only thing that will keep us sharing the Word of God when people seem to be turning a deaf ear. The only thing that will keep us consistently serving and going and being and doing. And we don't see the results. You know, our missionaries sometimes labor for years on end before they see a single convert. What keeps them going? It's that love relationship with God. It's that growing, growing growing relationship with him. So understand, this is where it's got to begin. As Christ followers, we will never move beyond the depth of our love relationship with God. So if you just have a, a casual relationship with him, you know, now lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord, I'm so to keep. If, if that's all your relationship is with him, then you're never going to follow him very far. Why should you? Why should you? But if that, if that love relationship is deepening, if you're beginning to see him working in your life in even the most mundane things, if you sense his presence even when you're most brokenhearted, and that relationship is growing and burgeoning day in and day out, then something is happening. Something starts to change. Something starts to change in you. And what that changes, God is in the process of transforming you. He's causing you to be more and more and more and more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just looking like him, but thinking like him, feeling like him, loving like him. And that relationship grows as we are digging into his word. We're, we're seeing his love for us. We're seeing his, his love for this lost world. We're, we're seeing his purpose and his direction and everything he's doing. And so then we get to ask him questions about that, and, and we get to understand, now, 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 how do I fit into this? See, it's, a, it's an interaction with the word and us going back and forth to God. And we can do that because this is not just words on a page. Jesus Christ is the living word, and he is the written word. John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that word became a human being. The eternal word of God became a human. But you and I don't just stop in the morning to wave at heaven. We sit down and get to engage in the eternal word of God. That's what's happening. So out of that abiding in him and abiding in his word, we're called in into an open and honest sharing time with God. That's that's prayer. We're calling that praying in truth. And I call it praying in truth because when you come to know God, he is the God of all truth. 
Jesus said, I am the truth. And the word of truth said, I'm going to lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit of truth said, he's going to lead us into all truth. And so as we're learning truth out of the word of God, and that truth is transforming who we are, that truth guides the way we're praying. You know, the deeper I am in the word of God, the less prayers are about me and the more prayers about God and the more prayer is about you and the less prayer is about me because I'm beginning, I'm beginning to take on the character of the author of the book and it's beginning to work its way into my life, to my heart. So, we want to learn to pray in harmony with the truth that we're learning. So if, if God is the God of all truth, and this is the word of truth, and the spirit is the spirit of truth, and Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, and as that relationship grows, what am I going to be doing? I'm going to be praying the truth. So you pray, listen to me, you pray in harmony with the Word of God. You pray in harmony with the Word of God. I, I, I love it when our choir and praise team sings. And one of the amazing things is, you know, some of them singing the low note, that's where I am. And some of them singing the higher men's voice. And some are high, singing the lower ladies' voice. And some are singing the higher ladies' voices. And they, they all come together and converge into something that's called a chord. Okay? Now, I've just told you all the music I know right there. All right. And, and, and that chord is in harmony. It synchronizes. It's pleasant to the ear. It, it comes across with this ooh, goose pimple thing running up and down your spine. And the orchestra does the same thing. All these different instruments up here, you know, it... Uh, but, and I can make a mess out of any one of them, but when they come together and they're playing in harmony, synchronized in time, they have this emotional movement on us. And then, then they can swell in the, in the power of the, the music and the singing and then they can drop it back down and it can move. That's harmony. That's, that's, that's what we're called on is to pray in harmony with the Scriptures. When Holy Spirit brings us to a passage and, and that, that passage just kind of, bam, pops us right in the face. What do we do? How do we get in harmony with that? There's something I've got to confess. There's something I've got to repent of. There's somebody I've got to go and apologize to. You see, because Holy Spirit has, has straightened me out in His Word. Or maybe I'm reading there in his word and, and, and I'm reading from the Psalms or somewhere and, and it's a swelling in his praise to God. So how am I in harmony with that? I've got to echo that praise to God. The word is there for our inspiration and for our instruction. But it also helps us to pray. The disciples admire Jesus' prayers. And they came to him one day and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And you remember how Jesus responded? 
prayed like this. He said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know the Lord's Prayer. Here's the thing. That's a third-person prayer. Here's how you pray in harmony with that. My Father, who is in heaven, hallowed, hallowed is your name. May your kingdom come, and may your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. Give me today my daily bread. And forgive me of my sins as I forgive others their sins. You see what I'm doing? The Word of God then strikes the primary note in the chord. And when I come in and I make it mine, then I'm building the harmony around that. What prayer is, is not gimme, 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 gimme. It's all about me. Prayer is when I'm offering to God what is in harmony with what he's sharing with me from his word. Now, prayer doesn't have to be that hard. You, you don't have to use King James English to pray, okay? Surprise, surprise. And you don't, you don't have to, to, to memorize key phrases or key words or whatever, you know, thinking that as I repeat these more and more and more, God's going to be impressed, so he's going to give me what I'm asking. No, it's not about that. But there are some patterns that will help you in prayer. You know, I, I, I love so much about the Old Testament. There's so much there that, so much uh, absolute power and, and symbolism and such. But I've often thought of what is it, what was it like for the Jewish pilgrims as they would come to Jerusalem to worship? They, they, they come up over the hill to the eastern side of town, and as they, as they, as they look down, then all of a sudden the thing that captures their attention is the temple. Ah, oh, what a beautiful edifice. And they've come to worship. They've come to make their prayers unto God. And so as they would go down, one of the first things they would do would be to go to the mikvah. That's the, the, the ritual bath. They'd have to go physically and clean themselves up. They've been traveling and they're dirty, and so they had to clean themselves up. And then they would prepare their sacrifice, whatever it was. They might have brought it with them. They might have gone and bought it. But then it's time to go into the temple. So as they go up to the steps, go up those southern steps to enter one of the gates there, the hold of the gates, as they get to, as to go up that way. As they step through the gates, the first thing that they're in is this huge, massive courtyard. And it's called the Court of the Gentiles. Anyone on planet Earth can come there if their desire is to worship God. And they step inside, and they're just overwhelmed. And the pilgrims, they'll, they'll sing from Psalm 100 right here. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. 
It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The first thing that elicits from the voice of the pilgrim is praise. Praise. So let that be the first order of business. As you approach God, as you approach the throne of God, start with praise. Praise is bragging on God for who God is. It's not about thanking him for what he's done. That comes a little later. This is bragging on God for who he is, his holiness. Only a holy God, home run, grand slam, Braves win. No, uh, <laughs> I let that slip out, didn't I? You know, that's only a holy God. As we're, as we're singing, holy, 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 Lord, God, oh my, that's praise eliciting from that love relationship that we have with him. Loving God just because of who he is. Now, as the pilgrim goes further, there's another, another wall. And the, the sign on the wall there says, now, if you are a Gentile, don't come any further. That's as far as you can go. But if you're a child or a daughter of Israel, you can enter into the court of the women and later the court of Israel. And so as they, they come into this point, then their song from Psalm 100 changes just a little bit. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. The second step in moving into the presence of God is thanksgiving. Now we get to brag on God for who he is and what he's done. And the way he's moved into our lives. So as we're praying, one, one way to learn how to pray is you start with praise. And then you move deeper into his presence with thanksgiving. And you think it'd be the other way around, but it's not. You begin with praise. Then you move into thanksgiving. Now, the, the courtyards are getting smaller as you come in further and further. And the next courtyard that you enter into, only the priests can enter in there. And, and it's, that's, that's the dominion of the priest, walking up to the Cana gates and just inside there, because inside there, something really special goes on. Inside there is where the sacrifices are made. Inside there is, is, it, it can be painful. Inside there is bloody. Inside there is where you have to do business with your sin. And so this third step, as you get closer to the presence of God, is confession. It's a place of confession. God, I know the blood of Christ has cleansed me from all sin, but I know what I did this morning. I know what I did yesterday. I know what I did last night. And I need to confess that to you. I need to repent of that. I need, I need the blood of Christ applied afresh to my heart. I need for you to renew me. I, I need to turn away from that, and you give me the strength to move forward in holiness. This is where we deal with sin in our hearts. When you're moving into the presence of of Almighty God, one of the things you realize is how utterly unholy we are. As holy a man as Isaiah was, when he just caught the vision of God high and lifted up and all his holiness filling the temple, what was his response? Oh, wretched man that I am. 
oh, oh, good. I am undone. I'm coming apart at the seams because I am a man of unclean lips. I'm, I'm a sinner, and I'm seeing into the presence of holy God. So prayer begins with praise, bragging on God for who he is, thanksgiving, thanking him for all he's done. And then we realize that our hands need to be cleansed, our heart needs to be cleansed to go any further. And so we, we make confession. The next place you go is not a courtyard. It's actually a, a building. And, and, and as you step inside those doors, only a few of the priests were allowed to go in there. And then on a rotation basis throughout the year. Inside there in that room, it's a very special place. It's called the holy place. And there's the altar of incense. There's a, the, the candelabra is there, uh, the, the, where the showbread is. These are the things that you lay before God in worship. And, and this, is, this is where you, you just lay yourself out before God in the holy place. And in the holy place, this is where we pray for others. This is, this is where we intercede for others. You, you start with praise and you go to thanksgiving and then confession. But then, then you, you pray for other people. You, you pray for our nation. You pray for our church and the future. You, you, you pray for our new pastor who's even now being awakened into his heart that God is calling him for a move. You, you, you pray for the sick. You, you pray for the lost. You pray for those who are hurting and sheep without a shepherd. This is where you intercede. But the next step is a much smaller little room. It's separated from you with a really thick curtain that goes all the way across and it's floor to ceiling. Behind there in the smallest cubicle is the Holy of Holies. This is where the Ark of the Covenant sits. This is where the mercy seat is on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. This is where, where the blood is placed on top for the cleansing and forgiveness of sins. This is where only the high priest once a year is allowed back there. And that's to do business with God and man. This is where we pray for ourselves. This is where we lay our heart before God. And we can do that only because we started as we've come in with praise, bragging on God for who he is, and moved into thanksgiving for all of the things he's done, laid our sins before him and confessed our sins for forgiveness, interceded for all of those he's called us to pray for that day. And then we say, oh, God, by the way, there's something I need to talk to you about about me. Is that different from the way you pray every day? So many times prayer for us is, God, I need a so-and-so. I need help with the this or that. And there's, that's prayer. I mean, sometimes we don't have time to walk through all of this. This is not a one-size-fits-all. But when you've got time to do it, this touches all of the dimensions of prayer and ushers us mightily into the presence of God. And then when we're asking for whatever, when we're asking something for ourselves, what's it been bathed in? It's been bathed in prayer. 
I mean, praise. It's been bathed in thanksgiving. It's been bathed in confession. It's been bathed in putting other people more important than we are. And then we're in a position to say, you know, maybe that thing or that this or that is not as important as I thought it was. And you say, Brother Fred, that's, that's a lot to take in. It is. So I don't know about you, but I need a little help. I need a little help when it comes to this. When it comes to, to, for me, approaching Almighty God. Let me tell you what. There are two very significant helpers that will help you enter into the presence of the Father and will help you in your praying and will help you in un the understanding and interpretation of your prayers. Let me introduce you to these two helpers. The first one is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he's always standing right there at the right hand of God the Father. And listen to Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he also is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he's always living to make intercession for them. And then Romans 8.34, Christ who died, more who is raised to life, is at the right hand of the Father where he is interceding for us. So none other than our Savior, Jesus Christ, standing at the right hand, the place of, of most importance in relation to the throne, right there at God's right hand. He's standing right there to the Father, and he's interceding for us. He's, he's making those prayers make sense. He, I know he has to often remind the Father, now, 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 Father, remember, that sorry thing over there is the one that I died for. My blood's on him, okay? <laughs> he's talking about me right there. Jesus Christ stands at the right hand of the Father, listening for Ken's prayer. Listening for Charlotte's prayer to intercede before the Father on your behalf. Whew. Always say, Brother Fred, pray for me about so and so. I'll be glad to pray with you. But don't you know it's even better when the Lord Jesus Christ is doing the praying for you? Helper number one. Helper number two, in no particular order, <laughs> is Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our, is our helper when it comes to praying. Listen here, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. You ever feel weak when you're praying? He helps us in our, our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought to. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. You ever wonder about, I don't, I don't know if I can pray, Brother Fred. I don't know if I can get it right. You know what the Holy Spirit's saying? You can't get it wrong. However you jumble your words up down here, I'll straighten them out before they get to the throne. I'll see to it that they're in sync with the Word of God. I'll see to it that the deepest groanings and pain in your heart is eloquently translated 
to the heart of your father. So what excuse have I got not to pray? I can't get it wrong. The father's leaning forward listening for me to say something. Jesus is leaning forward wanting to intercede. Holy Spirit's leaning forward wanting to make intercession. This is where we're doing our loving of God. We're abiding in him. And his words are abiding in us. And we're praying in truth. That truth is setting us free. And then we're praying back in truth. We're praying that word back to him. We're praying his will back to him. Your will be done right here on earth. As it is in heaven right now. Right now we need to be praying. God help us love you more. God help us fall in love with people. God help us serve you both. God, out of our love relationship with you and what we're reading in the scriptures about what the church is to do and what a pastor is to do and what the people are to do, we want to pray in harmony with that because there's a man out there and you're dealing with his heart. And there's a group of, on our search committee and you're dealing with their heart. And Lord, only you and your providence can bring these two together to meet one another. And, and only you can cause that immediate love to begin to grow and the vision begin to take form. And only you can prepare my heart to receive that man as my brand new spiritual leader. You see how vital this is for the foundation of our church for tomorrow? Love God, love people, serve both. Let's pray. Father God, as we come before you today, we just want that love relationship to grow, to grow and grow and grow. Some of us, Lord, it's, it's been kind of, kind of dusty. <laughs> it's been kind of dry. We ask you to renew the waters of joy, the, 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 the living waters to flow through us again, to renew the joy of our salvation, to, to help us fall in love with you all over again. Some of us, Lord, have, have, have loved you, but the stuff of life and decisions that we've made has caused us to be embarrassed before you. And so we don't pray like we used to. We don't get in your word like we used to. We're not trying to grow in that relationship. But Lord, Holy Spirit, you're convicting our hearts. We've we got to do business about this stuff. We, we've got to get our hearts right before you so you can move us into the future that you have for us. So Lord, we want to come before you confessing our complacency or or confessing our anger, confessing our hurt, confessing whatever it is we have to confess before you to where you can then restore that intimacy that you want to have. And there's some, Lord, that have never started that journey. 
They've never fallen in love with you. But today they have the opportunity to take the first step to realize that you love them so much that you bore their sins on the cross. You took the full weight of hell yourself so they wouldn't have to. And by rising from the dead, you made it possible for them to receive your life. So right now, Lord, they want to take the first step of loving you, thanking you for what you've done, and asking you to cleanse them and forgive them and save their very souls. Lord, it's time for us to do business with you. Our time has gone this morning, but Ed's going to come and lead us in an invitation song, Lord. And as he does, this is our opportunity to say yes to what you're doing in our lives. Maybe that means just coming to the altar and praying. Maybe that means joining this church. Maybe that means coming and asking you, Lord Jesus, to come into our heart. Whatever it is, right now the answer is yes. In Christ's name.